Hello, and welcome to Special Issue, Wiley's podcast for societies about all things scholarly publishing. I'm Stephanie Wilson. In this episode, we'll listen in on the talk given by Professor Mary Louise McClaws from the University of New South Wales at a recent virtual research seminar for society publishers, faculty, librarians, and others. Mary Louise, who is also a board member at the World Health Organization's Infection Prevention and Control Group, discusses WHO's roadmap from the start of the COVID-19 crisis. She puts an emphasis on the importance of misinformation and asking people to go beyond the headlines and shares how her team went from identifying the key research questions to generating the knowledge to implementing a full research agenda. Here's Mary Louise. Welcome everyone and I'm going to give you an overview of how evidence and knowledge has been um, uh, collated uh, at WHO. Uh, first of all, I'd like to acknowledge um, the medical people uh, where my university is located and I'd like to pay my respects uh, to elders both past, present, emerging and extend that respect to other um, Indigenous, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders who are present here today. Um, so we have learned, of course, that um, evidence in the time of COVID is very fluid. And uh, the very well-respected Susan Hopkins uh, was uh, known, uh, was outed by saying, uh, at the moment we're having science by press release. Uh, and of course, that was then that uh, idea was then continued uh, because a minister in the UK had uh, talked about um, issues uh, such as uh, variants um, before actually talking to the the lead scientists and um, even you know lead infection control experts uh, hadn't uh, yet uh, been advised about this, and uh, of course, there'd been no peer review. Although um, often you can't do peer review, can you? But normally you do share this information uh, with the leaders in the country uh, before you start doing press releases. Uh, so I quite like that because uh, we are seeing more and more science by press release, particularly at the beginning of uh, hearing about the research uh, about the vaccines. Uh, and of course, now we've had several papers um, that have been peer reviewed, but there's an awful lot of uh, science by, by um, release. So let me tell you how fast uh, WHO has worked. There's been criticism of WHO and I take this uh, on board as a member of several of the groups, but at the same time, many of, uh, of the criticisms have been uh, political which doesn't help and also misinformed. So just to remind you that uh, WHO can only do what it can do with information like most of us. And um, they were told by China uh, in December of a cluster. And uh, then of course, before you call it a pandemic, you have to call it a um, public health emergency of international concern. And just to correct any misconception, uh, it is uh, the members who uh, sit on the um, emergency committee, uh, not Dr. Tedros or any of the staffers, it is the members who sit there. And when the first uh, emergency committee was called, 
on January 2nd, 22nd and 23rd, um, they could not come up with a consensus about what was happening in China as being, uh, and of course, a couple of cases in Japan and Thailand uh, and Korea and Nepal as being a public health emergency of international concern. And I'll just remind you that when you are a member of the UN and a member of um, WHO, each country has uh, a, um, a WHO um, uh, liaison officer. And so Australia, along with America and the UK and all others, would have known uh, that the first emergency committee was being called. So they should have been on tender hooks that this was potentially a problem. So by the time Dr. Tedros had come back from Beijing to explain to uh, the, the members sitting on the emergency committee uh, what he had seen, they then decided that it was a time to declare that this was an emergency. So Dr. Tedros declared this on the 30th of January. So that's really, um, you know, 31 days uh, since WHO had I'd been told about uh, the cluster. Now, the idea of a pandemic is only an administrative idea that basically says to WHO, it's crossed two administrative borders. You are legally obliged as a member to start preparing, start getting ready for the FEEC. So in the meantime, WHO, 11 days after that um, uh, FEEC was called, uh, we were, several of us, well, there were about 300 uh, scientists and about 100 uh, potential donors that were called to Geneva to start working on the first roadmap for um, the novel uh, coronavirus. Uh, and so we were asked to, to go into uh, uh, these theme areas, epidemiology um, uh, and uh, animal modeling, um, uh, uh, um, vaccines, etc. And I was put initially into the epidemiology and because my area of expertise is infection control and prevention, I was also moved over to that one. So I was privy to how each of the groups decided that I was on, decided where the gaps were. These were the questions we were asked to solve. Uh, what were the key research questions that needed to be studied to then generate knowledge and evidence and how to establish an approach to develop and implement a research agenda for the future and future variants, because of course, uh, one was all, always aware that future variants uh, were going to continue. So that occurred over a two day meeting in Geneva. And at the same time, a COVAX uh, allocation facility was being developed uh, by the vaccine group. And that group just didn't work in a silo that worked with multiple experts coming together to talk to, uh, to the group on what they understood about vaccines, uh, what it would take to get uh, the vaccine um, to production and delivery. So this uh, schema shows you um, that there was an ad hoc consultation group uh, about the clinical manifestations. Uh, there was SAGE uh, that gave expertise on um, uh, policies 
And then there was the framework uh, that set the overarching uh, public health goals and uh, priorities. And they all came together under this one wing. So uh, no one group, no one expert uh, or uh, WHO staffer makes any decision. So uh, WHO continued to evaluate evidence. Now this is very difficult uh, to get evidence, particularly in a brand new area. I mean, that initially on February 11 and 12, uh, we understood that it was human to human, uh, that uh, we had had experts uh, from Wuhan talk to us about the epidemiology. We had had experts in vectors and um, animal-born um, diseases, uh, zoonoses, giving us ideas about what they were uh, seeing and what their knowledge was. And there was already an amazing amount of knowledge, but also an amazing amount of gaps. Uh, so of course, uh, because everyone's interested in the vaccine, uh, WHO uh, held many consultations with the other um, themes. And so we would come together regularly. Um, gosh, I think the first one was July last year and then every few months. And we regularly have uh, these um, group meetings and also WHO has opened several of these to the public, to interested scientists. Uh, they are not privy to all meetings, but they are certainly privy to uh, overarching meetings about the vaccine. So uh, this particular one talked about uh, uh, methodological approaches uh, to assessing how the variant would impact the vaccine efficacy. And um, we also had a closed one just with the, uh, the themes. And one of the overarching issues was, uh, and that was in July, what happens if we find this these particular vaccines are uh, potentially uh, uh, significantly um, uh, efficacious. Should uh, protocol be breached? And the epidemiology, the infection control group, and the, there was a consensus across all groups that the protocols needed to be continued. Uh, and that was interesting because then we started to get science by press release with Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, all coming to the press to say, uh, watch this space. Um, their um, vaccine worked very well. Uh, and there was a sense of urgency uh, requiring uh, the public uh, to allow them to break um, the protocols. Not saying that they would have, but um, the, the of course, the public wanted an end to this nasty disease. Uh, and uh, then of course, we started to see the first publications um, hit uh, in December. So uh, since then in 2021, we've already had uh, four um, uh, roadmap uh, meetings. So January 12, there was a consultation on the variants. Uh, January 15, there was another consultation on the implications for infection control about the variants. January 21, there was one about the delivery strategies and what our group uh, would have to think about for infection controls. For example, do we think about glove use for the injectors 
Uh, and that would require about 7.7 .7 billion pairs of gloves being used. Uh, so we were you know, talking about those implications. And on uh, January 28, a multidisciplinary group discussing uh, transmissibility. Uh, so my group, the uh, Infection Prevention and Control, uh, the steps we go through to look at evidence to develop evidence-based guidelines. WHO uh, is very careful that we don't just develop guidelines based on highly precautionary principle. That is up to countries to do that. Uh, so, uh, first of all, uh, WHO engages experts in meta-analyses and rapid reviews. So, for example, in Australia, we have the Commonwealth panel, and then we have every state and territory having their own panel. And usually they're probably a dozen people or so. Uh, they couldn't possibly get through uh, doing a meta-analysis, and I was on a, a rapid meta-analysis for how many, what the proportion was for asymptomatic cases uh, led by uh, Professor Paul Glazio at Bond University outside of WHO. And that took, uh, gosh, over a month to do. And they are experts in meta-analyses and rapid reviews of all publications, those critical reviews. So um, a, a group uh, presenting to chief health officers are unlikely to be able to do this in a very um, correct uh, epidemiological manner. So often uh, we will have the benefit of Harvard University, Oxford University, and many other great universities that will do this. They present us with the evidence after they've collected it. And of course, WHO is often criticized for the slowness. Well, um, can you imagine how long it takes of all the many research questions just in my area to then do meta-analyses or rapid uh, reviews? Uh, so that presentation is done to the expert group. Uh, we have then a discussion and we ask questions to these experts. They then leave our group. Uh, we come to a consensus uh, and then the guidelines are either revised or wait for more evidence. Um, so uh, for example, uh, just the other week, we talked about um, issue X uh, around a very important issue and the members of um, the theme uh, of infection control talk about this. Um, experts uh, develop this rapid review. Uh, they then, for example, the Center for Evidence-Based Medicine group at the University of Oxford and Harvard came together uh, for this particular issue, which I can't tell you about just yet. Uh, we discussed it not just with infection control, uh, but with um, uh, scientists, engineers, uh, and a group of experts that pertain to this particular issue. And uh, we voted uh, to wait for more evidence because the evidence that had accrued between um, last year and this year uh, was based on often, sadly, a very poorly um, developed uh, um, study designs. So how does WHO fight disinformation and um, uh, this idea that 5G or uh, 
Bill Gates is out to uh, take over your body when it comes to rolling out the vaccine and vaccines cause injuries and death. Uh, well, they develop uh, what's called um, infodemic. Uh, there's an infodemic and how well to uh, uh, challenge infodemics that are basically based on poor um, science and poor understanding of the science. And we saw just recently over the weekend, a group of anti-vaxxers um, deciding that vaccines were dangerous and they had in a lot of states and territories um, a, a march uh, and yet no one's forcing any of these anti-vaxxers to take the vaccine. Uh, and it's very hard to uh, fight uh, uh, this um, anti-science and uh, group of people that uh, want to evaluate the science with a, a vision that is biased. Uh, so WHO has this page that talks about um, check for updates, um, access the actual source of the information, identify um, the credible sources uh, and evaluations, um, requiring asking people to go beyond just the headlines in newspapers, and also check your own bias. Um, how are you coming to this story uh, with anxiety or bias? Identify top level um, authors and where uh, the information is being published. And uh, of course, uh, turn to the uh, fact checkers. The World Health Organization makes sure that when they are creating guidelines around the pandemic, they are research and evidence-based and not just going off of precautionary principles. It's vital to recognize the importance of access to research, especially today, as well as the process that it must go through to ensure its integrity. Always remember, you can't believe everything you read in the news. Go beyond the headlines. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time. For Wiley, I'm Stephanie Wilson, and you can find more episodes and learn when new episodes are released by subscribing in iTunes or wherever you like to listen. You can get more news and information on Society Publishing from Wiley on Twitter by following us at Wiley in Research and on our website, wiley.com slash network slash society leaders. Our theme music was produced by Medine, and this episode was edited by Dennis Velasco. Thanks for listening.